Hello and welcome to another Architecture Podcast. I'm George Bradley, architect and director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. Every fortnight, I talk to a different architect from around the world to discuss an inspiring house that they have designed. In this episode, I talk to Fiona Dunnin, founder of the Melbourne-based architecture studio FMD. We talk about her recently completed project, CLT House. The project is a reconfiguration of an existing building to create a multi-generational home. It takes its name from the material used for its construction, cross-laminated timber, which has been celebrated in this house for its versatility, being used both as a structural material and as the main interior surface finish. The distinctive feature of the house is the sawtooth profile of the main roof, which creates a great space internally and triangular windows and sharp angular profiles on the exterior. If you'd like to find out more about CLT House, you can see images of the project on the episode page at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. And you can find out more about Fiona and her studio at fmdarchitects.com.au. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello, Fiona. Thank you for, for joining me today on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to talk to someone in London. <laughs> well, obviously today we're going to be we're talking about CLT House, um, but I thought it'd be great to just start with maybe if you could introduce for, for anybody that doesn't know you and your practice, if you could just give a little introduction about mm. who you are and what, what you do. Yeah. Um, so we're a practice based in Melbourne. Um, we generally we focus mainly on residential work, but we do a small amount of um, interior commercial work. Um, my background is actually I was an interior designer first, and then went back and did architecture. So, um, what you find with my work is that it's it is very detailed because um, I think a lot in terms of very fine detail at a very early stage. Um, and the interiors are quite obsessive and quite um, strong conceptually as well. So my thoughts are always about the, the architectural idea and then transferring that down to the finest, finest detail as we get um, through the house. So that's kind of how we work. Um, and we always try and find a story um, in every project, and that's why our projects often have a sort of unusual names um, to them because so they're very personalised towards our clients or the site or whatever it is. In this case, CLT. And and CLT. I mean, where where does that name come from? Obviously, it's it's um, it's obviously to do with the material that's yeah. cross laminated timber. Um, but where was maybe a little bit of background about the project of of where that came from? And did it start as CLT House? Was it was it always a mission to work with that material? It it actually was. So the client came to me. Um, this is terrible to say, but ten years ago. Um, and we were both really interested and committed to using CLT. At the time, there was that um, one of sort of the early projects in London, actually, that was um, a multi-residential um, building in CLT, and uh, we were sort of looking at that. We were actually liaising with engineers in London at the time, so there was a lot of research, and there wasn't many buildings built out of CLT, so we were sort of on board fairly early. And for various reasons, the project got put on hold um, by the client, and so it took a few years to get going. Um, but then, so, but then designing with CLT, you have to design with it from the outset. You can't 
design a building and then think, oh, I'm going to um, make it CLT. It sort of doesn't work that way because it's you have to design a really efficient structural system. So uh, you have to really work with it from the from the word go, and that takes a lot of assessment and sort of testing the viability of it for the project in those early stages as well. So, yes, it was designed from the, the beginning with CLT. Um, so a lot of listeners will be familiar with um, with what CLT is as, as a material, but do you want to, for anybody that maybe doesn't know, do you want to explain kind of what, what you were using here and, and perhaps why as well? Yeah, so CLT is cross-laminated timber and... The way I tend to explain it is it's like um, precast concrete panels but in like giant thick plywood. Um, And so the laminations of the plywood are are really, really thick. Um, And basically what it allows us to do is create really large spans without the use of steel. So in this instance, we've got 14-metre spans through the house with these walls that are actually like giant plywood beams. So it's, it's, it's what we call mass timber construction. So using very sort of highly engineered large um, timber sections to, to create um, ex- large sort of spans in the structure. Um, mm-hmm. And in this case with CLT, you can use it for everything. So we used it for the walls, the floor, the roof. All of it is structural. Um, but what you do find usually with CLT is, particularly in commercial projects, it all gets covered up. You don't see any of it for, for fire rating purposes. Uh, and in this instance, I really wanted to celebrate CLT as a, as a material because it's actually really beautiful to look at. Um, and I suppose this is where the interior designer side of me came into it as well as, okay, we've got this fantastic structure, this sort of bridge-like structure but let's really celebrate how it's all put together and the bones of it on the interior and use it in very fine ways. So we've used CLT for absolutely everything on the interior. So it's all left fully exposed, which looks pre- almost monastic. And is that something you haven't done before then working with CLT in that way? No, it was the first time we've used CLT and it was quite a long mm. journey um, from the first um, sort of instance looking at it and dealing with um, companies in Austria and Italy and Switzerland initially and then slowly over the years as we were sort of you know the project stopped and started and fired back up again by then CLT was being manufactured in New Zealand and then finally in Australia so it became more and more viable Um, and by then we sort of researched pretty much every CLT company there was in the world and actually have a combination of Australian and um, Italian uh, CLT uh, in the job, so yeah. And that's it. So how does that work? Being a combination of <laughs> Italy and Australia. Yeah. So it was well because the 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 exposed CLT that we have, we wanted it to um, have what we call you know have a dressed finish, um, and so we uh, we wanted we used a Norwegian spruce um, on the on the exposed um, panels, but. Where it's not exposed, particularly on the floor structure, that is um, a radiator pine, which is an Australian CLT. So, but it just didn't have the level of finish that we wanted on the interior. So it, it is a bit of a mix. Mm-hmm. And that's so they're separate in terms of the where you see it on the interior. That's an entire panel for the whole yeah. wall, and then it's a totally different panel for the floor structure. That's right. Yep. And then there's yeah. a different panel on the roof that you can see as well. So, yes. Yeah. 
And what about the sort of location of this um, project? It's clearly in a very nice setting and it's a lot about the views and bringing the nature in. Whereabouts uh, uh, is this house located and who, who are these clients as well? Yeah, well, the client, so the client um, is actually a builder. So he does very large um, scale construction. And so it was his passion about CLT and experimenting with CLT um, that really sort of started the whole process. Um, and uh, this is their, uh, well, it's their sort of weekender, but this is where they'll retire to. Um, so it's just about an hour and a half out of Melbourne on the what's called the Mornington Peninsula, which is a beautiful coastal area. Um, mm-hmm. So and it's it's a peninsula, so inland. This is sort of inland away from the, the water. So it's, a, it's actually a working farm. It has incredible views down to the to the ocean, um, so we wanted to capture those views, obviously, but still have these connections to the beautiful rolling hills and farmland that surround it as well. Um, so yeah, it's a magnificent site, I have to say. And it's so an interesting relationship there. This is a, is this a builder you've worked with as a company as well? Uh, not so much, but he's. Um, no, because he's the the jobs that he does are, are very large scale. Um, mm-hmm. But so he came to me through referrals from other architects and clients. Um, so he was sort of aware of uh, my residential work. So that's that's sort of how it started. So, you know, he wanted a residential architect, not a commercial architect. Um, but, yeah, we have known each other sort of over the years um, from sort of other relationships back when I was in commercial building world before I started my own practice. Um, yeah, so that's sort of that's how it started, um, and it really started because it's actually the CLT component is an addition to an original seventies house. Mm-hmm. So this it started with um, working on the interiors of the seventies house and doing some renos to that, and then as we sort of built up the trust, then it sort of oh, actually I want to do this, and then the whole project just grew and grew and grew. And we ended up not doing the interior renos until we did the whole project at once, sort of a few years down the track anyway. So that's how it often starts. They'll start with something small and then it grows into something bigger. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm interested in that part because if you look at the house, it do, it looks like a new build. It's yep. um, it's very well sort of disguised, the fact that it's, it's an existing building. Yeah. Um, I just wonder whether you could sort of talk through a little bit about, for somebody that hasn't seen the building, how would you mm. describe um, because it's it's quite a large building, and clearly the CLT is the dominant part. But there's an existing house somewhere in there. There is the the original house, so it's almost like a, a T plan, really. And so the original house is the top of the T, and then the the it's the CLT is the is the long part of the T sitting on top of it. Um, and the original house was really it wasn't it wasn't a, a great piece of architecture by any stretch of the imagination. So it was fairly rudimentary. So we didn't see the value in trying to retain its original character. Um, so we 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 did render it. We've actually um, completely reinsulated it, um, new double glazing throughout. So we basically brought it because it was very cold and dark and terrible. Um, and so we've just re-insulated all of that and replanned it. They have, um, you know, several adult children now that all have their own kids. So most weekends there could be up to 20 people in this house. Um, and there was lots of discussions about the other kids getting their own, you know, uh, weekend houses nearby or whatever. But it was really like, well, we can actually make an amazing house and everyone has their space here. So the mm-hmm. original house has now become their kids' and their grandkids' zone. And the new CLT extension is my client's 
bedroom, sort of uh, study retreat library, which um, and then there's actually sort of spas and steam rooms up there as well because they often um, come travelling to Europe and to Austria and Switzerland to all the fantastic spas mm-hmm. you've got over there. So um, we created that for them, and there's also a great little. Um, there's a, so that this CLT sits on top of the original house, but then spans over sort of this this uh, carport area and then lands on a hill on the back of the side. So it looks like when you actually approach the house, what you read is the CLT structure, which looks like a bridge. And so mm-hmm. um, embedded in this hill is is the, the base um, that's supporting this, this CLT bridge. And in that is the kids, uh, the grandkids' bunk rooms. So they've got secret access to their grandparents through this secret stair. So they can... <laughs> <laughs> so the, and they're they're separate from the original part of the house. So their kids can now dump all the all the, all the grandkids in the in the bunk room, and then they come up and just bother the grandparents, which is fantastic. So there's this really wonderful dynamic between the generations about yes. you know how they how they move through the house and who they go and see. They basically can ignore their their parents for the weekend and just get spoiled by their grandparents. I, it sounds like an incredible brief, as in you've got. You're working with somebody that's got experience in construction, so you can be quite ambitious with what's what's created. Yeah. Um, clearly, from a program point of view as well, this kind of multi-generational and the, the site and the location. But then also this ambition right from the start to have a client that's kind of open to trying something, not necessarily experimenting, but trying something like, like CLT. Where, where's the catch in this? What was the... <laughs> Was was there a stumbling block that, that no. made this very challenging? Uh, no, actually, probably just learning about the CLT and refining it and getting it um, to be because it is quite an industrial material. So, mm-hmm. like you know, when you see it in, as a general structure, it's often you know it's not perfect. Um, so, trying to make it as perfect as possible actually took a lot of commitment from us and from the builder to make to sort of really make sure all the jointing and connections were as refined as possible. So there isn't really a catch. It was a really great project. And I suppose it was really just the the length of the project. That was pretty interesting as well because when we started, there weren't really any grandkids on the scene. So the bunk room originally was a garage for the sports car and a wine cellar. Then that got ditched 10 years later. It was like, oh, we've got about half a dozen grandkids and more on the way. So... Forget the sports car and the wine cellar, turn that into the kids. <laughs> so, so that was pretty funny. But otherwise, it, yeah, it was a bit of a dream project, I have to say. Um, I come along that often. Well, you, you could tell. I mean, it's a fantastic project. And um, probably now is quite a good time maybe for us to sort of walk listeners through um, mm. and, and talk about these various spaces because there's, there's so much to talk about in this project. It's, yeah. it's very rich in terms of detail, in terms of space. Um, but perhaps um, maybe if you could sort of take us through sort of the entrance and how you mm. first approach um, this building. And as we go through, hopefully we'll sort of start discovering some of these details that you've, you've discussed. Yeah. So the, the approach to the building is, is one of the most dramatic parts um, about it because you, you come off the main road and you come onto the, the, the farmway driveway and you're sort of elevated and then you, you drop down into the site and drop under the main bridge, the main CLT bridge. So, and you'll see that there's these, um, the, the bridge is, is so it's a long rectangle, but it's articulated through these sawtooth roofs that sit on top of it. And the, so it's this um, really interesting triangular uh, windows 
that um, are the first things that you see and they're particularly dramatic at night because the building is black. So then all you read as you're coming into sight, if you're coming in, in sort of dusk or the evening, are these floating triangles in the sky, which is pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, so it is quite a dramatic um, entry into the building and then you actually sort of park under the, under the bridge itself and, and enter the main um, lobby space. Um, and there's there's sort of two entries to the building. That's sort of there's the formal entry to the building, and then there's the working entry to the building, which they generally use, which is directly adjacent to that, which is the mud room slash laundry slash drying room. So mm-hmm. this is a farm, so it is you know it is muddy and messy. So you know the family would use that, but there is the formal entry um, as well. And when I go there, I actually then go around the back. I, I don't use that entry. I'll go through the back doors. <laughs> so, everyone, so it's like, oh, which way should I go? I should probably go through the front door nowadays, but no, I don't. I still go through the back door. Um, but so then you come into this main lobby space and you're introduced to CLT in that entry space with this beautiful um, stair that's constructed out of CLT and left exposed again. So these beautiful giant laminations of plywood um, that create the stair and then the balustrades made out of this expanding mesh, which is quite agricultural. So um, referencing sort of the farm um, the farm fences in a, in a relatively mm-hmm. refined way, but um, we are, you know, the materials are not particularly precious in the job, so that um, you don't have to tiptoe around and um, not touch anything. You can touch everything here, and it is a very tactile building. Um, and so then you're sort of on the ground floor, looking out to the views um, into the original part of the house, um, which also houses the, the kitchens and the bathrooms and so on. And the main kitchen is in that space. And then you turn around and go upstairs into the, the CLT extension, which is really the retreat space. But it's when you get up there, it's, it's, there is a really um, definite rhythm to the building, and that's created by this sawtooth roof. Um, mm. And so it is one sort of long space with bookshelves that line the entire length of it. Um, and so that basically it is quite a, quite a large volume, um, and it allows the space to be used in, in many different ways. There is the lounge and there's a big table in the middle and the, the desks on either side. And um, Peter and Sue sort of tell me that, well, you know, they have their sort of desk zones, but um, his sons also work in his construction business. So they're all, um, particularly over the last few months, because we've all been in lockdown for a ridiculous amount of time, mm-hmm. um, they've been working out of that space and, and really using that as the, the main office space um, separate from the office in the city. So it allows them all to work there. And then the grandkids have got their section down the end, so all the kids' books are down one end, and you'll sort of see that in the photos too. There's sort of a kid zone, and they can all come up there and um, do their homework or play and, you know, um, sort of use the space in many different ways, which they do. So they've had parties and big dinner parties up there as well and they can change the space and it can adapt to whatever they want it to be. And that's um, an interesting aspect, I think, of this design is we're we're upstairs now in this floating sort of space, but essentially the principal space of the house, it's almost like the village hall, isn't it, yeah. for, for the sort of congregation of the family where we've got this sawtooth roof. That's right. Um, but the fact that it's elevated and lifted up off the ground level, mm. um, what was this? What was the sort of decision making um, behind that? Because typically, some people, you know, you typically think the principal space you'd be on the ground floor and open up, and yeah. you have that obviously with the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but the idea of elevating this sort of shared communal living and play space. 
well, up the, into the trees. Yeah, well, one you yeah you are in the in the in the canopy, the tree canopies. But the other thing is the views back to the water are so uh, much more expansive and dramatic from this elevated level. So they they are beautiful mm-hmm. on the ground level. But as soon as you get up here and you walk out onto the the sort of south balcony. Um, they're pretty amazing. Like they're just really, it's a completely different view. So people just walk up and go, wow, at the space. And then they turn around and see the view and go, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So it was very much about the view. And so the living space and their bedroom up there has the most spectacular view. So that was the reason by uh, about going upstairs to one level. And, and it is unusual um, and an unusual layout. But what it allows us to do is for the sort of their kids to have their own lounge space is really downstairs so that they can all separate from each other when they want to mm-hmm. but then they can all congregate up here and then in summer as well and use the, the steam in the spa room which then spills out onto a, a northern garden so which is the smaller elevation so from that aspect it looks like a very small building so depending on where you are mm-hmm. every elevation gives you a different perspective of the building and a different perception of the building and you're talking about the views from the the, the main sort of mm. living space. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, that's the thing I love about this project is um, it's not literal. It's not large expanses um, of glass to sort of literally show the view. There's very unexpected views and in yeah. a sense, quite controlled views as well, that you've got these low and horizontal rectangular windows that are kind yeah. of desk height. But then these much larger windows up in in the roof, in the triangular shape of the roof. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit uh, about that? Because that's a very distinctive part of how yeah. this space feels. I think. Yeah. Well, those slot windows were very much about cross ventilating the space. So we wanted to um, naturally ventilate the space as much as possible. So it is. It's interesting. So we we created those slots. Um, and basically those walls are big, are like giant beams, sort of three metre high, um, 14 metre long giant beams. And so w- they were the maximum allowable cutout we could make to the beams. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what determined those. But what's interesting is that because they're quite small, then your um, your view and, and sort of what you perceive through those windows is the smaller details in nature. So you'll you'll focus on a bird in a in a on a branch or, you know, smaller, smaller details in the landscape. And like you said, then there's the upper level triangulated windows that give you more expansive views of the tree canopy in the sky. And then to the south, there is a large sort of square window that gives you the long views down to the ocean. So everywhere you turn gives you a different perception of, of the natural environment that you're in. Mm. And I think I think that really helps with the dynamic of that space. And like yeah. you said, the the one big glass opening is at the end of the yeah the short end of the the rectangle. So there's this yeah. kind of sense of prospect. Yes. Um, but the proportions it's 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 kind of art gallery like as well in a sense of this this idea that that light is coming in um, mm. in different ways. If if you stayed in this house, have you sort of got to experience it at different times of the day? Yeah, I haven't I haven't stayed overnight there, but I have. Um, well, for instance, when we were shooting this house, that we were shooting it over a couple of days. So I was probably spent two or three days, you know, just preparing for the shoot. Um, so that that was quite interesting. So we we got to see it from first thing in the morning right through till ten, eleven o'clock at night. Um, yeah, so it was. It's it's pretty amazing, and in the evenings, it's really I really love the the view of the building in the evenings. 
Um, and so inside this space, in terms of materials, it's predominantly it is the CLT. So we've got these exposed timber surfaces. Um, so the sawtooth roof is all exposed and timber in the walls. But then also once you've got to the level of shelving and um, desks and things like that, that's also all out of CLT. Was that all stuff that was was that able to be made by a carpenter on site? Is it was it malleable enough to to be that flexible, or did it have to be all pre-planned? Well, we tried to maximise the the use of CLT. So I wanted I wanted everything out of CLT. So that was planned from very much the sort of the outset. Um, but it is very malleable. You can cut it. You can. I mean, all those the big the big walls and the roof and everything were pre-cut, um, and even the desks were all pre-cut as well. But if something was slightly off, you could make a slight cut to it. But it's it was pretty perfect when it all came out. So yeah, um, it was pretty easy to to click it all together really, and it did literally um, go together. I mean, what was ten years in the making was four days on site construction, which is crazy. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of planning to get all that right with CLT. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's quite instant gratification, isn't it? Yeah, four that's days right. Pretty <laughs> Did you was was your team kind of there for most of those four days then because of the intensity of the period? Um, or no, unfortunately no. I was away when it actually finally. Oh was, no! Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I couldn't actually see it. So Peter was sending me photos of the whole thing because I was very disappointed that I wasn't there to to see it all um, actually get clicked together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it, it, it would have been amazing to actually see it. But we got we got to sort of see it all remotely, digitally. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the sawtooth roof. So we described it as this these set of sort of rectangles. So you get this triangular line when you look at the elevation inside it creates this beautiful kind of step ceiling rhythm but there's a few practical things it's doing as well is that correct because the the slope of the roof is leaning towards the north in australia so perfect for solar panels yeah that's right so there was a lot of debate whether they um about the design of the roof um and we came up with quite a few different options for the roof but then in the end we actually went with the sort of simplest option um, which was this north-facing roof that so basically each one of the slopes is is has solar panels over it so it's um, basically completely solar powered this house and uh, so that was the main reason behind the pitch because the other way to do it was flip it so that um, the pitch faced south and then you'd actually get more north light coming in but mm-hmm. we sort of counter counteracted that by having these high level windows. Um, which face pretty much east and west. Um, but what they also, but the way the site works is that the western windows, which is the sun in Australia that we really want to um, protect ourselves from because it's very hot, um, it's quite, it's really well shaded by the, the trees on the site. So um, by considering the actual, the surrounding environment, we could really ensure that we had um, light where we wanted it. Um, access to solar, um, solar, pa- you know, light for the solar panels where we wanted it, and and sort of get really interesting light through that space. And because a lot of that space is um, study space, you don't want a lot of direct north light anyway. So yes. it works really well. It is very much like a gallery. Yeah, and there's no. 
there isn't any top light in in those triangles, is there? No, no. So it's all, it's a very sort of solid form, and the light's coming from the side. There is, and the other thing though is those um, the sawtooth has is in its apex. We've got these um, motorized slots that um, so we can open those up right at the apex in summer to release the hot air, but then close them in winter to retain the hot air. And mm-hmm. we've also got fans that you can't um, sort of concealed large industrial fans that are in, concealed within those recesses. Um, to, to circulate the air around and reverse it when we need to, to push the hot air down and, 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 and so on. So um, it is really well sort of naturally ventilated. And, and that theme um, of the sort of natural ventilation goes through into the other spaces of the house. I mm. think one, um, one that I really like is you've got in the bedrooms, you've got the, the en suites, the bathrooms, mm. are kind of half opened onto the bedrooms. They're almost like... It's almost like the, the design of the bathroom has been approached like a kitchen island, um, yeah. the vanity unit. Um, and you've done that, have you, to, to allow this cross-ventilation across the bedrooms as well? Yeah, that's right. Um, so we've, um, we've, what we've done is create the bathroom so that the, the vanity has a window that they can close off. So if they want you know, acoustic privacy in the, in the bathroom, whatever, they can close it off. But it has, it, it's generally open to the bedroom and then there's that has a full sort of north south access so that you can open up the bathroom and the and the bedroom and get that fully cross ventilated and the other beautiful thing is then that the bathroom when you're standing at the vanity brushing your teeth you have this amazing view out to the ocean there as well so mm. um, every every room has um, maximizes its potential views yeah i mean it's that's kind of like I love ideas like this that when you look at them, it seems so sort of natural of why wouldn't you design an ensuite like this? But I actually haven't, I don't think I've really seen something approached in this way before. No. Um, I don't know why it's not used more in, in kind of hotel design as well. I think it works yeah. works really well and has that definite practical benefit of the, yeah. the, the natural ventilation. Yeah, yep, definitely. The space is beautifully lit in the daytime. Um, the, the principal spaces, the bedrooms as well, that also have this triangular the sawtooth roof goes into the bedrooms as well so it's a very sort of sculptural form everywhere um and the daylight levels are just very well balanced in this house because of the sort of balance between the solid surface and the the interesting shaped rooms but obviously Mm. um at night time the way it's illuminated is is as important when working with a kind of structural form like this Mm. um and you've got some beautiful photographs on the website of the the building kind of illuminated like a lantern at at night time how did you approach um the artificial lighting for for this project and what challenges did this sculptural form present Mm, because it is such a strong form internally and externally um i didn't want to distract from the, the the form at all so all the lighting is concealed so it's all been rebated into um, the beams and into the shelves on either side. So they're just long LED strips. So you, during the day, you cannot see them at all. And at night, they just emit a soft light all through the space. So um, the structure, the CLT structure is just celebrated through the lighting of it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really that was really important. And then there is above the, just on the base of the triangulated window, there's another strip light there that makes them glow at night. So from outside, like I sort of said, mentioned before, you just see these floating triangles in the sky, which is really mm. quite a bizarre um, thing. It's almost sort of like little UFOs or something mm-hmm. <laughs> floating <Nope>. in space. 
<laughs> but it's a very clever use of the light because you're you're effectively using the natural surface of the timber mm. to to bounce quite a lot of the light off. So that's right. It's the, the ceiling's acting as a lantern for the room. Yeah. It's a very diffused um, light. Yeah. Um, I mean, I often have this sort of bugbear generally with like trying to avoid using spotlights in spaces mm. when when we're designing living spaces. And here, I think it's a it doesn't have any kind of domestic light visible light fittings it's no. it's, it's it's very architectural light yeah that's that was really important and it's something that um again i suppose that's interior designing as well as uh, really designing the lights um for the architecture mm-hmm. so not relying on decorative light fittings um to decorate the space this this space is enough as it is it doesn't want to be you don't want to be distracting with decorative fittings anywhere. Yeah, and same, so I think most architects are saying we sort of try and avoid the sea of downlights as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so and there's like, there's all different, you know, you can turn on some of the, the, the lights and not others so that you can have a combination of different ways of lighting the space as well. So yeah. um, depending on which LEDs, you know, do you put the shelves on, do you put the beams on, do you put them all on, um, you can really play with that quite well have you also sort of saved yourself a headache here because i mean looking at this living space imagine the stress of having to pick a light fitting a dominant (laughs) light fitting to (laughs) yeah yeah definitely well i I think this space is doing more than enough architecturally that yeah there's there's certain spaces you just don't want to add decorative fittings to and and don't get me wrong there's a lot of um, houses that we do that we use a lot of decorative fittings but not in this one this was mm-hmm. and that's sort of understanding your client and understanding what you're designing and knowing when to embellish and when not to mm-hmm. and if we talk about the the kitchen space so this space is on the the ground floor so this mm. is and it's more of a sort of typical space in terms of it's a flat ceiling it's in the existing building yeah but there are touches of what's happening above in the new CLT spaces that you've then used um, downstairs. Do you want to talk a little bit about the kitchen space? Yeah, so the, the kitchen space is really the pivot point um, on that sort of T plan where the, um, the original house is and then the, the new um, CLT extension pivots off from that point as well. So for me, it's the point where everything comes together. Mm-hmm. And the original part of the house has a lot of darker richer materials in it it's got a lot of bluestone and spotted gum which is sort of it's an australian timber which is sort of quite pinky reddy colors um Mm -hmm. we've got sort of red granites and all and all sorts of different materials there so the kitchen while it's new we wanted to bring some of those richer darker tones from the original part of the house but also a bit of the clt as well into it as well so we created um the the there's a plywood background cabinets and then there's a red granite, sort of real 70s red granite um, island bench. But then overhead we created another light. We made it a light fitting. So rather than having, you know, often over a kitchen island bench you've got a pendant light. So yes. in this case we created a, a light which looks like a sort of triangulated shelf floating above the island bench, which is CLT as well. And that has again one of these embedded LED strips in it. So that is our sort of feature light. So I suppose it was slightly decorative there with the CLT light fitting. Yes. <laughs> and you and you mentioned the, the plywood that you've used in the kitchen. Now, this mm. is probably the one other material that kind of creeps up in terms of the palette internally. You've got the zinc on the outside, we've got the CLT predominantly inside. Yeah. But then you've got this plywood, but it's not it's not a typical 
plywood surface? No, it's a plywood that I've used for many years, which is um, it's it's really looking at the end of the edge of a plywood panel, and you see so you see all the lines, the laminations of plywood, mm-hmm. and then what we do is actually stack that up. Um, over the panel. So what you're reading is just sort of stacked plywood laminations. So with the joinery, we thought, well, we've got the the mass timber laminations in the actual structure. So the finer joinery will use this finer grained um, stacked plywood to have a dialogue with the CLT, but on a smaller mm-hmm. scale. So we have that in the in the walk-in robes upstairs and some of the vanity um, components and bar units upstairs in the CLT extension. And that also is reiterated in the kitchen um, design as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a conversation between the old house and the new CLT in this kitchen area. And this plywood material, it's kind of like it's taking the best bit of plywood, isn't it? And, That's right, um, yeah. There's a, I don't know if there's a well-known Italian chef that um, has a, a famous dish of, it's a lasagna dish, but it's taking oh, yeah. the best bit of a lasagna, the crispy bit <laughs> on top. It's kind of <laughs> it's the, like the architectural equivalent. Yeah, and and. Sort of 20 years ago, I actually used to have to document this and get um, get the joiners to make it up by hand. But now someone's actually come out with it in a pre- ready-made sheet. So this yes. is actually a ready-made sheet of this stack lamination. So it's made my life and my joiners' lives a lot easier. Yes. Yeah, it's true, actually. I've seen that before. There's a yeah. the hair salon near me where a builder that we know was was creating this look out of thousands of yeah. cuts of plywood. Um, I think he regretted it. Kind yeah. Of a few days in <laughs> um but then also in the kitchen again actually there is another material that is a kind of recurring one that's this this sort of dark black granite um mm. that you've got in the kitchen but it also appears in the vanity units in the bathrooms that we were talking about before um that's really beautiful as it's, it's you've the granite's kind of large form granite you see the sort of size of the stones as they're cut yeah it looks um, like a riverbed it's pretty amazing yeah yeah and we've used there's there's two versions of that stone, um, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but um, this one is a sort of a black and white, um, looks like a black and white stone riverbed. And there's mm-hmm. another one that is green and pink, which we've used in other projects, and they're they're mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And the client actually found this the black and white one. I said, oh, I love this, and I you know I'd used it before as well, so we we're more than happy to use it. And it is probably the most decorative thing in the space, I would say. So yes. it is a little bit in contrast to you know the monastic CLT space, but um, that's really a bit of Sue, I suppose, that's coming into the space as well. So allowing their their character and their their um, personalities into this in, into what is a very rigorous space, whereas um, yeah. Peter, Peter's more more the rigorous side, whereas Sue's probably more the sort of the decorative elements in the space, I would say. And towards with Peter and Sue kind of heavily involved in that, like when you're having these discussions about these materials. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, they, yeah, they were involved all the way through and, and Peter building it all, you know, he's followed our details to a T, which is really, really fantastic. You know, you don't, you don't usually have that much say when you hand over your drawings to a builder and then they simplify it. <laughs> he didn't. He, he really, he worked it as much as he possibly could um, to get out all our details as perfect as possible. So were you on this project were you as involved as you would be on a typical project with a with a domestic client that doesn't have a background in construction um, did that did that alter the way this project worked Yeah definitely no it, we weren't as involved so once it was on site we really were there just um for general queries versus 
on a more traditional job, we would be sort of really managing the contract, um, be on site every two weeks, speaking to the builders pretty much every day. In this one, it was sort of handed over and they would build it and just contacted us when, when they had questions or, you know, wanted to make some changes. So, yeah, we weren't. We definitely weren't as involved. Um, hence, why I was away when the the actual CLT <laughs> was going up because I wasn't aware of the the schedule and the schedule changed and blah de blah. But and yeah, so that it is a bit nerve wracking because you really don't know what you're going to get. At the yeah, end. I was going to ask how did that feel because I have to feel like that. You know, you're kind of letting go and it's in someone else's hands. Something you've yeah. developed for so long, particularly something challenging and so different as this project. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because I know, I mean, it was driven by the client who is the builder, who was so passionate about it, um, it was in very good hands. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's done some amazing work around Melbourne um, and around the world, actually. He does a lot of work in the Pacific Islands. But a lot of the work he's done for some very fine architects around Melbourne. So um, there was no concern, really, that it was going to get you know, destroyed. Mm-hmm. How did you approach this then? Was it? Is it very much a sort of traditional sense of sitting and sketching or are there any other sort of yeah. methods you used? It was, it was definitely sitting and sketching. So he had some ideas about wanting to put something on top and then we had a look at the landscape and could see this amazing um, possibilities to create this sort of bridge light structure. And then there was those conversations. Then I would start working things up in plan um, and then we'd start modelling it in on the computer and then um, Peter would actually build... Um, um, he would build models, so he would come in with models. <laughs> wow! So great. we'd model, we'd sort of do computer models of different roofscapes, and then he would actually model them and pop them off and put them on. So he was like our model maker at the time as well, which was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So our client actually making our models for us, which was brilliant. Um, so it was it was an interesting process and very collaborative, and um, you know it just worked really well. So. You know, it yeah. could have gone the other way and been terrible, but it wasn't. It was, you know, sometimes I would get a bit carried away with roof designs and then he would pull it back and simplify it. And it, it, that was the better decision because I can get a little bit crazy sometimes with um, some of my designs. So <laughs> he would rationalise as the builder does. They would rationalise it. So yes. and we do talk about this um, rationality in the design and that's very much um, coming from the builder's perspective too. So yeah. it was a really great process. That's part of the joy of of our work, isn't it? Of our mm. line of work, as you've depending on the collaboration, it can kind of I find it can push me into sort of doing things that I maybe wouldn't have done, and that's right. it's kind of getting out of your comfort zone sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And sort of to me at first it was oh no, it's too simple, but actually no, this is beautiful. And then we really played with that, particularly when we got on the interior. It was like, well, we want this to be so simple and so rational and so rigorous, yes. um, so that it really reinforced the sort of the architecture. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it's a very unique relationship of if developing a house for a builder mm. client, and and we've got experience of that. We we're, we're working with a builder as well, and interestingly, just as a parallel, that's the f- the first time we've had a client that's made a model as well. And um, <laughs> this builder that we're working with was was out in the garden with his kids, kind of building a model of yeah. of what we designed. And, and it's a, it's kind of like somebody's reflecting back your work and what I you're doing. Is it creates a great dialogue. Yeah, it's really interesting. We've done a few builders' houses actually. I'm sort of I don't know what it is, but I think it's because we do we we really obsess over the detail and um, 
the the suite of details we give them is is pretty phenomenal. So I think they appreciate that as well. That we have mm. really thought everything through every corner with them. Um, we mm-hmm. don't leave anything to chance. So. Um, it seems like one builder leads to another builder. It's pretty funny. I've had another client who um, he works at a university um, running the sort of the digital technology labs. So he's come back and like 3D printed our buildings for humans wow. as, as a gift. You know, it's really wonderful yeah. stuff like that. So it's really fun. Yeah, I've sometimes had it with clients where you're like, hey, hang on a minute, they're they're ahead of me. You kind of feel yeah. bad. And then you're like, no, no, this is a good thing. This is good. Yeah. Um, but it must be a good sign of, of what you're doing and also how you sort of operate and your, mm. your kind of process of developing that sort of level of detail for, for builders to be working with you. I think, you know, they're, they're front line, aren't they? They know yeah. whether you're kind of shortcutting or whether you're producing the work and, and really yeah. thinking thoroughly. So it's, it's a very good review of the practice if you've yeah. got builders working with you, I think. Yeah. Um, what about for, for other clients that, that might be looking at wanting to do a CLT house, mm. Um, what what advice would you have for them, or, or what what challenges do you think somebody would face if they were trying to do a house like this and they weren't a builder? Yeah, I think um, we'll make sure you get someone who um, or get a team. I mean, there was our engineer who specialised in CLT as well, so you've got to make sure the team that you put together has experience with CLT and is passionate about mass timber construction. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's you, you can't really compromise too much. Once you once you take it on board, you take it on board wholeheartedly. Um, so you have to be committed to CLT from the outset, and it's not something you can bring in later. It just mm-hmm. it's not as effective or efficient. Um, so it it can be a really beautiful uh, material and um, structural system to work with. And it can be incredibly fast, but it takes a lot of planning. So you need a lot of patience. Um, and understanding and giving the architect enough time to actually design it up and go through the, the shop drawing process and all of this. But once it actually happens, it's incredibly fast So um, when it comes to sort of construction on site. So it's, it takes, I think there's that, it's being committed to it and having the patience to work through um, the rigorous nature of the material. Um, but once you, it's very rewarding as well. So from a you know thermal perspective, it's so super efficient and such a beautifully sealed system um, that it's 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 excellent really. Um, and in terms of acoustics, I imagine it must feel there must be quite good sort of reverberation in the space. It must feel quite calming. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, acoustically, it's pretty amazing. It's um, it is a very quiet space. So it really does absorb that sound. So, um, yeah, there's no sort of hard surfaces or any reverberation anywhere. We do have carpet on the floor. So we have carpeted the CLT on the floor, and that would certainly help as well. But, no, you're right. It is a, a, acoustically a lovely space to be in. And overall, in terms of time scale, do you, did you find – or do you think there's there's payoff, as in you save the time on site, but there's that work developed in the beginning? And obviously there's an advantage to – preparation and minimizing the risky time and the costly time of being on site but over the span of a project do you think there's payoff in terms of overall somebody getting into a house quicker using CLT? Yeah definitely potentially there would there would be um, I think from a cost like the capital cost of the material is obviously higher than doing a traditional build so 
um, you have to factor that in. It does cost more. It's it's definitely more cost effective on a multi-residential building than, say, on a single residential house. But I think that's changing. Mm-hmm. So that more and more people are using it. Now it's being manufactured here. It's um, it's becoming more cost effective. And yes, the 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 fact that you, you're producing a building that is um, really beautifully sealed, and but you know it's used a lot in passive house systems, as as you'd know in Europe. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, it, there's a lot of payoff from from the um, the sustainability perspective as well. So, um, yeah, and if you you don't want to use, you, you're trying to minimise the use of steel and fossil fuels and so on. This this goes a long way. Yeah, and does have you got any sort of feedback analysis yet on this project and from no. that point from a carbon? No, no, not no, not yet. But um, the, we're definitely working on that. Yeah, I mean, because it's only been complete. Is it less than a year? Have they been yeah, in? yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was the beginning of this year, so it's still sort It'll of under be, analysis. Be interesting to see mm. to see those results. Mm. Um, and what we were talking before we started the interview of just what an amazing and varied portfolio you you mm. have as a practice, and how each project sort of seems to come as a surprise and has its own different, unique characteristics. Um, mm. What have you got? What have you got in the pipeline? What's what's coming next? What's the next experimental project? We have, there's a couple of really interesting ones, but probably another beautiful um, farmhouse project that we're doing down on an island called Bruni Island, which is um, the southernmost tip of Tasmania. So it's a little island off the main island of Tasmania. And for those people who don't know where Tasmania is, it's the um, southernmost state in, in Australia, and it's an island right off the southern end of Australia. Um, where the Sydney to Hobart yacht race um, ends in Hobart, mm-hmm. which is in Tasmania. So very wild, wild, uh, woolly place. And Bruni Island is one of the wildest places. So the weather there mm-hmm. is extreme. Um, to build there requires us to um, bring everything over via ferry, um, which is really interesting, including, you know, all the um, – the carpenters and labourers and so on as well. So as much as possible, we actually try to source tradespeople from the island. Um, but, yeah, a very interesting process. And the next stop from Bruni Island is Antarctica. So the weather's pretty wild. So it can mm-hmm. be absolute bliss one day, but then wild storms and winds the next day. Um, so designing this amazing farmhouse down there, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and we've actually, because we've been in lockdown and Tasmania shut its borders to the rest of Australia in March. So really? um, yeah. I got one site visit in and basically, or luckily we'd actually set up so we could actually watch the house being built remotely anyway. So we're actually set up for a remote um, kind of observation of the construction, which was really lucky because we're still not, I still haven't seen it and it's actually going to be finished in about a week. So, <laughs> so, so I could actually, see a theme here. It's like oh, CLT house. You're going to miss out on the key, <laughs> key development. Oh, it's pretty. Oh, it's it's pretty funny. But it's. I mean, but they are again amazing builders who've really followed through with all the detail and uh, the clients been living. Who they're sort of they're a client that we've actually done two other houses for. So right. we create architecture addicts. And most of our clients come back for more, which is pretty funny. And so we're now doing their farmhouse for them. And they've been locked down in Tasmania. So they've been sort of my eyes down there every day. So we go and um, FaceTime sort of down on site all the time, yeah. and wander around, which has been fantastic. So they're super And it's excited. amazing how you can adapt. It, it does work, doesn't it? As in, 
I always yeah. thought those traditional things we were doing in architecture, that was like, it has to be done in person and it can't possibly work. Suddenly, when you're forced to, it works. It actually works really well. It does work well. It's still not quite the same, but yeah. it, it certainly has opened our eyes that, oh, maybe I don't need to be down there every two weeks. Maybe I can be mm-hmm. down there once a month and then have a, a Zoom catch-up for the, the other one. Or you know, mm-hmm. So you can – I think we can do more remote tra- um, sort of uh, – you know, meetings. And it's interesting with CLT, we're obviously getting a lot of interest um, internationally as well and talking to clients um, in LA and stuff like that about doing wow, CLT. Has. I was like, sure, that's only 14 hours away. I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you see what I have to do to get down to this island in Tasmania, that takes like eight hours to get down there. So this is not a problem. So, Well, definitely from Australian friends based in London, you, you have a different perception on travel. We, oh, we yeah. kind of whinge of like, oh, Paris, you know, it's two hours away. <laughs> it's like, that's nothing. That's just a shopping trip. <laughs> that's right. 24 hours on a plane is nothing to us. So. Um, okay, Fiona, I'm going to ask you now the, the, the three questions that I ask all of my guests and mm. turning the tables a bit back onto you. Um, but the first one starts with your home. And I know that your home and where you're talking from now is 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 one that you designed yourself and um, it's on the practice website. Um, So probably a bit of an unfair question, but what is the one thing that really annoys you in your home? Oh, it's actually still a really hard question. And there's a few little things that niggle me, Um, but probably the fact that I didn't put in a pool keeps getting brought up by my family. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it's not a big backyard. We don't have a lot of garden space, but it is a beautifully designed garden space. Um, but I didn't put in a pool. And my daughter, yeah, it's a big thing in Australia. People, yeah, you know, it's hot. We use pools. And uh, that's probably the, the biggest bugbear for the family, I'd say. Yes. Um, and if you could describe like a home that you visited that's really inspired you um, and why? I don't know if it would necessarily be a home. Um, I think it's just there's certain buildings that um, inspire me and I I think the one uh, that would be the most inspiring would be Peter Zumthor's um, spas in Vals. Um, The reason you just, the way he documented every single stone in that place and how every space is an architectural experience and I think you should be able to reiterate that in a home as well and we I don't know that I document to his level, but I would aspire to document every single stone Mm -hmm. um, in a wall. That would be quite an amazing feat. So Mm. I would say that, yeah, I think you should take, not you know, when you're doing residential architecture, it's not necessarily just being inspired by homes, it's being inspired by architectural experiences. And that is an architectural experience. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That resonates. I mean, me and my business partner, we've, we've, made pilgrimage to that place twice yeah. i think now um but fun, yeah fantastic building mm. um for anyone that's listening that doesn't know it would definitely recommend looking looking that one up um and then if you could choose any designer to design you a new home who would you choose yeah that's a really tough one again but i think they would be probably japanese um but probably uh yue nishizawa who is one half of um sana who um, did, again, another architectural experience. So there's two key, sort of key ones on my list. And this one is um, the Tashima Art Museum, um, which is this amazing bubble that he did. But the way, again, the way he approaches architecture is very much 
uh, like a piece of art. The, his buildings mm. are not, um, they're not buildings. They are just art. They are artworks. And that one really inspires me. And I would love to live in a piece of art rather than a traditional home, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Have they designed many houses, Sana? No. I don't think they have, have they? No, no. But um, I think he would be pretty amazing. That would be um, fascinating to see what they would do. Yeah, I actually have, you know, there would probably be a list, and that's my problem. I sort of don't go to one. It's like the way I design two. I don't just design one option. I might design ten, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, but then I'd also like this person or that person. or How do, how do, I, how do you choose? It would be so difficult. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm aware of how cruel the questions actually are for an architect, <laughs> but they could get some good answers, so it's great. Yeah. Um, well, Fiona, I've really enjoyed that Um I mean, it's a fantastic project. Congratulations on CLT Thank House, you. and um, and really look forward to. Uh, I mean, I love I love sort of seeing what what comes out of the practice. It's so varied, but very much look forward to seeing this Tasmanian project oh. when it's when it's been finished. Yeah, it's, it, you'll love it. We'll have a chat about that one too. Yeah, well, thanks thanks very much for taking the time for joining yeah. me today. Thanks very much for having me. for listening to this episode if you'd like to find out more about fmd architects then please visit the website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com where you will find links to their work and other interesting articles and try out the podcast instagram to see work of all my guests and sneak previews of upcoming guests if you enjoyed the episode then please give me a review on itunes or on whichever platform you are listening as it's a great way to help other people find the podcast i look forward to you joining me for the next episode Thanks again for listening.